the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece I hope you'll enjoy from my colleague, Sebastian Gorka. I'm very excited. It's been... uh, too long a time since our next guest and I met. Uh, he is Ilan Berman. He is the senior vice president of the American Foreign Policy Council, and he has said that he will not discuss cut. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand, and it get hot. I got a lot of. I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. So it was trained, and then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap, and I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Uh, Ellen Berman, um, <laughs> what, what kind of an ingrate are you? You come on a national radio show and announce you will not discuss <laughs> no, will not a discuss. vice president's hairy legs. No, no comment. You're not an expert no in hairy legs. No comment. No comment. <laughs> See, I've got him in a corner now. He's, he's perspiring. He's going to get in <laughs> trouble. All right, welcome. We're, we're going to talk about really serious stuff. Great to have you in no, studio. Good to be here. Um, so uh, this is just illustrative of the broader point. The insanity that we live in today when we should be talking about real important things. We're talking about the, the, the 70th anniversary of, of the founding of NATO, the summit that's occurring right now with our president in London. But first things first, it's like, it's as if it, there's, there's the real world and then there's the media. Because in any other time, I think, the fact that hundreds of protesters in the country that is the largest sponsor of state terrorism have been killed by, by the authorities would be on the front pages of every newspaper for days. But it's not Ilhan Berman. This is, this is unbelievable. We'll talk about why that is in a second. But can you give us an update? You follow these things. What's going on in Iran? Sure. And, and by the way, uh, uh, to, to preface this, it's not just Iran. It's right. happening in Iraq. It's happening in Lebanon. And it's all part of a larger puzzle. Right. Uh, since 2015, since the uh, JCPOA, the nuclear deal that uh, President Obama signed uh, and walked us into, uh, the Iranian regime has been uh, on a path of sustained expansion. Uh, they've been expanding around the region. They- and, and, and this is aggra- this isn't you know trade expansion. This is no, no, no. military. This, is, this mil- is proxies and, and terrorism trade. and trade and politics right. and influence. All of, All of it enabled by the enormous economic and strategic benefits that they got as a result of the Obama's of deal. The, of Obama's deal. And what you're seeing now is that there is overstretch on the part of this incipient Iranian empire. There are protests going on in Iraq. There are protests going on in Lebanon. And they're about a lot of things. They're about government mismanagement, corruption, but they're also about Iranian interference. And there are even protests taking place right now within Iran itself uh, against the regime. But let's be clear here. There's there's multiple constituencies. So there are those who are in other countries who are fed up of Iran's intervention, but perhaps most important of all, Ilan, are the Iranians who are right. saying, 
we can't afford to feed our kids and you're fighting wars in Yemen, right? So it's protesting their own regime. That's exactly right. And, and so uh, there was a sense uh, among Iranians, ordinary Iranians, that this deal that the Islamic Republic hammered out with the United States would have some sort of trickle-down effect, that their lives would get better, right. their lives haven't gotten better. The Iranian ayatollahs uh, spend much more money on guns than they do on butter. And the Iranians are fed up. And uh, in real economic terms... Ordinary Iranians are uh, a third poorer than they were in 1979. So think about that for a second. Think about... A third poorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in real After terms. After $140 billion was released to them by the last administration. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and not only and that... And one of the richest oil nations in the world. Correct. And uh, richest natural gas nations in the world. And uh, a country that has spent the last half decade capitalizing on this diplomatic deal by normalizing trade with Europe, uh, with the West... Uh, in, in a pretty dramatic fashion. And yet none of that is really translating into prosperity at home. So Iranians are young, overwhelmingly. Uh, two-thirds of a country of 84 million uh, are younger than uh, the regime, meaning they weren't around when the Ayatollah... So they're born after 79. No, correct. Uh, when They weren't around when uh, Rahul Khomeini stepped off the plane in Tehran. Uh, they don't buy into the core tenets of the Islamic Republic. They are really just interested in what the regime can do for them. The regime's not doing much for them. It's doing a lot of expansionism in the region, but there's not prosperity at home. And so you're seeing this grassroots pr uh, pushback, and it's really dramatic, and it's really potentially transformative, which is why the regime is cracking down. The, their regime's response to the current protests are, has actually been much more draconian than what you've seen in the past because the Ayatollahs are scared. Uh, as You know my family history. So as, as a child of... Those who escaped a dictatorship, literally, my father escaped a communist prison, was liberated. Uh, I have a certain baggage I bring or perspective. At the end of the day, what Stalin said, how many tank divisions does the Pope have kind of comes to the fore. As long as the regime has all the tanks and the guns, are they going to stay in control? Or are you seeing fissures inside the regime where somebody could perhaps defect? Well, that, that's the real question. And the answer is we don't know. And the reason we don't know is because the Iranian regime, in a very savvy fashion, as soon as the current protests broke out, right. they cut off the Internet. internet right. uh, so this is a lesson that they learned 10 years ago. 10 years ago, the fraudulent reelection of their then president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, brought millions of people out into the street uh, because they voted the way they do in uh, Chicago, right? Early, early <laughs> and, and often. often. And, often. Right. Um, and so there were certain precincts in Iran that reported more than 100 percent turnout, mm -hmm. right? which tells you the fix is in, yep. right? Um, and so what happened was uh, these guys were using the Internet. They were using social media to organize, to tell each other uh, where to meet next, where to go next. And the regime understood this very well. Um, Ilan, yeah. let's let's talk uh, NATO issues. Um, what is going on inside the alliance that you've got key members like France saying the alliance is brain dead? saying that we have to have a better relationship with Russia, and then the president, who's actually got six members to step up and pay their dues, are we? is this another fake crisis, or is something serious happening? No, I, I think something serious is happening, and it's the fact that the alliance is profoundly ailing. Uh, because, uh, look, uh, fundamentally, uh, alliances move along at the pace of their most grudging member. Uh, and... <laughs> And the alliance is moving very slowly. And it's because, and most of your listeners probably don't know this, but last week, uh, the Republic of Turkey effectively held NATO hostage. Okay, we, we need to talk about this. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to just throw something out there. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think, forget everything else, budgets are important. I think the future of 
for ostensibly NATO ally Turkey is perhaps the most important question out there. I uh, completely agree. Okay, good. Uh, so you have this really paradoxical situation where you have an alliance uh, built in 1947 that uh, has... Uh, all sorts of criteria that allow new members in, right? The idea is to create a welcoming parlor, to expand the zone of post-World War II prosperity, stability, prosperity. But no one ever thought about the idea that you, once you bring these countries into the fold, they have to remain with you ideologically, morally, culturally. And what's happening is that Turkey, which was once the uh, the Middle Eastern bulwark of the alliance. The southern flank. Yeah. No, for, and, and, to, to and the Soviet way, Union. And by the way, a very important listening post in terms of... What Air was bases, happen- what was U-2 happening flights. There. Yeah, uh, nuclear basing. Right? I right. mean, there are all sorts of things. But Turkey now, over the last decade, has pivoted in a very fundamentally Middle Eastern, Eastern direction. Right? Undemocratic. Undemocratic, uh, authoritarian, Islamist uh, in orientation, uh, allied... And, and the remarkable thing is when they wrote the New Washington Treaty... They never put in a mechanism to kick people out. Well, that's, that's exactly right. So now you have a situation <laughs> right? where Turkey, and by the way, in all fairness, uh, the reason that Turkey uh, did what it did last week when it vetoed plans for uh, deployments in the Baltics, uh, because it was uh, miffed, rightly so, about Europe's inability to step up and do more stuff uh, in Syria, right. uh, rehabilitate, take ownership of uh, the remnants of the ISIS caliphate. I think that's a perfectly legitimate concern. However... Layered on top of Turkey's eastward tilt, Turkey's growing relationship with Russia, Turkey's uh, what looks like Turkey's choice of Moscow over Washington. Right. This causes tremendous concern and it forces the alliance to grind to a halt in a in a profoundly uh, unhelpful way. And uh, at the same time, we have Macron making statements like this one and our president responding to them. This is incredible. This is the head of state of France. Cut three. And, and, and don't don't make any mistake. Your number one problem are not the foreign fighters. This is the ISIS fighters in the region. And you have more and more of these fighters due to the situation today. This is why he's a great politician, because that was one of the greatest non-answers I've ever heard. <laughs> and that's okay. Because sometimes there are that's why I love the president. You're in front of another head of state, you just say, dude, that is the most garbage non-answer I've ever heard in front of the reporters. Because it is. You know better than anyone, Ilhan. Um, the the, the um, ISIS recruitment of foreign fighters was 50% of their fighters, which is unprecedented in terms of al-Qaeda and others. And the French head of state wants to just poo-poo it. Anyway, we're out of time. This is Ilan Berman. Follow him. He is the senior vice president of the American Foreign Policy Associate Council. 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 Got to get it right. Follow him. (laughs) I-L-A-N. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.